This morning's scripture reading comes from Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness and being found in the appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord for us. Uh, gotta love a good marital spat, don't you? That's the first argument. <laughs> and there have been many, many, many since that time. Anyone here willing to admit that you've had some conflict, not necessarily in your marriage, although maybe there, but over the last two or three weeks, anyone face any sort of conflict? No shame in, in saying you've experienced it. It's kind of part of the, the human experience. Anyone in the last couple days, last two or three days, no conflict? Anyone get in a big fight this morning? Yeah, maybe don't raise your hand for that one. That would be, that would be a little awkward. You're sitting next to someone just fuming because in the car on the way here, you're shouting. Well, we've all experienced conflict. We all have struggles. We all have strife in our relationships. To have conflict, yes, it is to be human. Like we just saw here. Adam and Eve. <laughs> the first argument. You know, we talked about them last week. If you were here with us, you know that we talked a little bit about Adam and Eve and how they were created to be in loving relationship with God and with one another. That, that pretty quickly went south because of their sin. You see, we have conflict. We have struggles and strife with one another because of our sin. James makes that really clear. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So I'd like to begin this morning just by simply saying, conflict is inevitable because we are sinful people. We are a fallen race. And so it's inevitable. Now, how we respond to conflict, ooh, that's a different story. How we respond when things get difficult. Now, see, that's our choice. And so I'd like to suggest to us this morning that conflict isn't necessarily something to avoid. Those of you who did actually have conflict in the last two or three weeks but didn't raise your hand this morning. As if it's something shameful. Conflict is not necessarily something to avoid. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be a peacemaker, to be like Jesus. And so that's just what we're going to talk about today. So I'm thrilled that you're with us today. I'm John. I am privileged and honored to serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Uh, by the way, do you know what they call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. <laughs> I know, that was a rough. So we're in week two of a sermon series that we're calling Relationship Goals. 
And we, we want to just grow to develop healthy relationships. We, we want to be people who, who are able to communicate and commune with one another. Like last week, talk, we talked about being connected, just the importance of, of a connection with God, a connection with others. Again, as we heard from Troy this morning, what, what's our vision? It's to become a vibrant community of transformed people. That doesn't happen if we're unhealthy, if we're disconnected, if we don't respond to conflict in ways that are honoring to God. In fact, let me just, let me just say this. Having a healthy relationship with other people is really only possible because it's, we have a relationship with God. It's really only possible if we know and have a, a fellowship, a true, genuine, authentic relationship with God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. See, it's, it's out of that relationship that everything else in our life flows. And so we talked about this because we just shared communion a moment ago, that, that for those of us who trust in Jesus as Savior, we, we're a born-again Christian believer. We've, we've asked forgiveness of sins and so then what happens is we decide we're going to live life God's way, not by my agenda, not by my standards, not by my will, but by his. So it's only because of Jesus that we can actually be in communion with God, fellowship, relationship with him. And what it means is an abundant life here on earth, like a life that looks different than the rest of the world. It's a life filled with joy and hope and peace and health. So an abundant life this side of eternity and an eternal life in paradise with our creator in heaven forever. Here's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. And here's what I'm pointing out here. Knowing, relationship, communion. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So, so here's the bottom line. Your standing in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with church attendance. Has nothing to do with you grew up in a family that was Christian or atheist for that matter. Has nothing to do with your good deeds or like if you attend a Christian school. Your standing in God's kingdom has to do with only one thing and that is do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? That's the only thing that matters in our standing in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter if we try to be a good person. Doesn't matter our family of origin. Doesn't matter our religious background. Do you have a relationship with God? And I would just speculate this morning that there are folks here in-house, there are folks who are tuning in online who at one time would have said, yep, I have a relationship with God. It's vibrant. It's alive. I talk to him. I study his word. I follow his direction. But you know what? I've made some missteps along the way. And I've kind of plugged my ears to what God has to say. And I, I've just fallen out of fellowship with him. I don't, a, a, a conversation with God doesn't happen every day. And I would just give an invitation to come back to the Lord. To say, today is an opportunity for you, right here, right now, to pray and to seek the Lord and to say, Lord, I believe in you and I want you to be Lord of my life. The wonderful thing is that he hears us and that he responds to that. So I wanted to start with that this morning. What good news that we can have a relationship with God, that, that he hears us 
That, that in an instant, as I call on him, he, he hears me and he responds and he comes to me. See, if we don't have that, then, you know, just trying to be a good person, just trying to foster good relationships, well, it's really futile. It, it really has very limited value. Yes, you should, you should be kind. And have you noticed there's, there's kind of a movement now? There's a rash of people uh, out and about. I see them in the wild. They have, you know, the t-shirts that just say, like, be a good human or, like, choose kindness. And I'm like, you know... There's something more important than just being a good person. There's something way more important than just be kind, be nice, be respectful. Yes, of course, Jesus helps us to be all of those things and more. But it's a relationship with God through Christ. And you can have that today. If you're here today, if you have more questions about that, let's meet up after the service. I would just be honored to, to sit with you, talk with you, pray with you, go with you before God's throne of grace. And rejoice with the angels as you repent. Turn from your old life. And begin a new life because of Jesus. So remember what he said here. John 17. He says, this is eternal life. One thing, my friends. This is eternal life. One thing, that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Your standing in God's kingdom has only to do with that. A relationship with God. So getting back to the topic at hand today. It's conflict. We're going to set some conflict goals. <laughs> uh, let's see. What? Seven or eight per week? Does that sound like a good goal? No. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, we all know that where two or three are gathered, there's bound to be drama. <laughs> That's just how we are. That's just, that's just how people operate. And a lot of times it's because we fail to see things from someone else's perspective. Like the meme who shows two guys and they're arguing over what number is on the ground. Who's right? Are they both right? Are they both wrong? Is one right and one's wrong? A lot of our conflict is due to the fact that we fail to see things from someone else's perspective. What if one of those gentlemen would go to the other side and say, let me just try to understand things from your vantage point. Things would change pretty quickly, wouldn't they? Those two would be on the same page. They would be in sync with one another. But man, there's so much conflict happening in our world right now. Everywhere you turn, people are mad, people are angry, people are in conflict. And sometimes it's over the silliest of things. Is the dress blue or is it gold? <laughs> Do you hear Laurel or Yanny? These online, really anything, <laughs> that we're spatting and arguing and, and being snarky, whether it's a, a disagreement or a political feud... No, but it is, it is really harder, I think, when conflict hits us right where we live. A teammate, a friend, a relative, a co-worker. So we all face conflict. What I want to encourage us with today is this, that, that we don't need to avoid conflict altogether. Really, that's impossible. But instead, we need to see it as an opportunity. An opportunity to be a peacemaker. An opportunity to be like Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this morning, I am not approaching this subject flippantly. Those of you who know me, you know I like to joke around. You know that I, I can tend to not be very serious. But I want, I want to be clear on that. That as we talk about conflict today and being healthy in our relationships, I, I'm not approaching this topic flippantly. I realize this is a very sensitive issue. This is very personal. And this morning, each and every one of us can think about painful conflict. And that's sacred space. And that's space where, where some of us tend to be very guarded. 
but let's allow the Lord to bring healing to shine his light this morning on each and every one of us. So let's begin with the words of our Lord Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, we know this well. In verse 9, our Lord says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I want to say that when Jesus calls someone blessed, that we should take note, that we should pause to say, what is it that Jesus is saying is blessed here? How can we reap the blessings from the kingdom of God? We should pay attention. We should live in the pursuit of peace then. We should strive to be peacemakers. We want to be children of God. So when we have conflict, but respond in a way that brings about harmony, we're doing what God wants. And here's what the Apostle Paul teaches us from Romans 12. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. You're not responsible for the other party. You don't have to depend on the other person. You choose to forgive. You choose to apologize. You choose to extend the olive branch, to seek reconciliation. But boy, that is easier said than done. I know that in my own life. You know that in yours. And and let's just be honest this morning. Let's be honest about our willingness to even address conflict, to even lean into those difficult and challenging situations. Like, like what if we had a scale that showed, on, on one end would be like conflict avoidant. You, you might be on th- this end of the scale where it's like, I run away at all costs. Like, what was it in the fall we talked a little bit about fight or flight? <laughs> Do you just, I, zoom, I am gone, I am out of there. You might be on this side of the scale. You, you might be thinking, you, if you are on the far right side of this scale, sorry, the left side of this scale, avoid, you avoid conflict, you might think, why did I show up today? Why did I tune in today? Is there any way I could like pretend that I'm going to use the restroom and then just sprint for my car <laughs> and drive home? Uh, the doors have been locked, so I'm sorry you actually have to stay. On the other hand, maybe you're on the other end of the scale. You're your conflict to serve. You're thinking, we're talking about conflict goals today? Woo, bring it on. Okay, first of all, just settle down a little bit. Like, we're not going to get in your face this morning. We're looking at what the scripture says and trying to respond as peacemakers. But you, you're a little too eager. You're, you're all over conflict. Like, so each and every one of us could probably plot ourselves somewhere on this line. So maybe even in your mind, where would you put yourself? Draw a little circle on this line. Conflict avoidant, conflict assertive. I I would say it's really interesting to note that our family of origin has such a big impact on on how we respond to a question like this. Our family of origin, the the home in which we grew up, and and how our parents and our family members, uh, their their style of conflict, their willingness to address conflict, right? So So in some homes, arguments are just frequent, it's like, we're, we're just going to have, have it out and just call it a Tuesday. <laughs> and other homes, it's non-existent. Mom and dad never once raised their voice. There might have been some coldness. There might have been some tension. It's a different kind of conflict, I suppose. 
Or maybe you, you grew up with a parent who had anger issues. And you knew that that parent was just going to kind of bottle things up and bottle things up. And you're kind of walking around on eggshells until the parent just explodes with rage. And so maybe you experience that, just the, just the, the trauma of shouting and, and angry words and, and mean-spirited statements. And, and you carry that with you. And maybe, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who, who've had that experience and they said, I'm never going to be like that parent. I'm never going to do that. Only to find out you get married, you have a family of your own. And you're like, I acted just like my dad. And I never wanted to be that way. So the reason I mention that is just to say it's, it's extraordinary how much our family of origin impacts us in this regard. And for those of us that are parents here today, it's sobering. <laughs> Say, boy, I want a healthy environment for my kids. I want to train them that you can't avoid conflict, but you can handle it in ways that honor God and that ultimately bring about peace. And so I think it's okay for us to even say this morning, and I'm mindful of this as, as I you know, have a, a public platform where I get in front of a group of people and I'm the authority and I get to share and I get to teach that. I don't have this all figured out. <laughs> and I want to be transparent this morning that it's, it's okay to admit that that I'm not the best at conflict management. That it's challenging, it's difficult, and it's hard. But I think that we tend to have wrong ideas and wrong thinking about peacemaking. Maybe those of us who even grew up in a particular church background with Anabaptist ideologies and thinking and teaching, we may have some wrong ideas about peacemaking. I think we lack some real good biblical training on this subject. Like, you just can't look at the New Testament teaching. You can't look at the life of our Lord Jesus and come to any other conclusions that followers of Jesus are to be peacemakers, to pursue peace, to lean into conflict in order to bring about resolution, reconciliation, and honor to God. So again, have you ever noticed how, how much conflict in your own life is really due to your unique perspective? You know, we saw the image of the, the two guys, the meme, where they're arguing over what numbers on the ground. That, that's based on their limited perspective. Or, or I've noticed that it just depends on where I'm at in a given situation. Let, let, let me explain. Uh, I travel on 201 very frequently. I live in Berlin, coming up here to the church building in Fredericksburg very often. So there are times where I'm on 201. Let's say I'm headed to the church building. I've got tasks to do or meetings to attend. It's like, I need to get, so I, I want to make really good time. <laughs> uh, what's the speed limit again? I think it's 45. Okay. Um, might, be able to, might be able to go real close to that and get here. Um, when all of a sudden there's a tourist and they're driving like 36 miles an hour and they come up behind a buggy and then they don't know how to pass the buggy and I'm like, oh, and I get really frustrated. It's like, you know you can pass right there. Let's go. You know, they're like, I don't want to pass. And then they, they start to pile up, and you're like, they turn the turn signal on the curves, and you're like, okay, now I know you're from out of town. <laughs> okay, so that, that's one experience I have. There are other times, I'm on the exact same stretch of road, and maybe it's a Sunday afternoon, and I'm driving uh, Levi. That's our big gray van. <laughs> Leviathan, the big gray van. I'm driving Levi, and maybe I got my family with me, and it's a Sunday afternoon, and it's just a beautiful day in Amish country, and I'm like, let's just take a Sunday drive. 
Now, I'm probably not driving 36 like the tourists, but, you know, I'm doing 40 to 45. And we're like, oh, look at the horses. Look at those little foals. Have you seen those? We've got these little baby horses just along the way. It's awesome. So I'm in the same stretch of road, but it's just a different circumstance for me. And I'm driving the family down, and all of a sudden, look in my rearview mirror. It's like, what in the world is this? It's like a 20-year-old. He's got the camo pro bass shop hat on. He's driving a white Chevy truck. Dude, get off my tail. What's your problem? And he goes around and like, what's your problem, dude? Slow down. These are real life examples. And I just, I'm aware of the fact that, man, it's the same stretch of road. It's the same person, but all of a sudden, two different situations, and I respond very differently. Conflict in both of them, by the way. Because of my unique perspective. When it's time for me to get to a meeting, when it's time for me to get where I need to go, it's like step on the gas. But when it's a Sunday afternoon drive, it's like, what's your hurry, dude? You're into fishing? I thought fishermen were supposed to be the ultimate impatience. (laughs) There's conflict there. Same road. But my expectations were different. Isn't that interesting? Really, and I think that is one key to understanding healthy conflict is expectations. When our expectations are not met, then we often have conflict, right? Uh, And these expectations, I mean, they they may never have been spoken. They may never have been articulated or communicated. It's not like I've had an agreement with the driver of the white Chevy truck that says Sunday afternoons from three to four, (laughs) right? But they're just expectations. And when our expectations are not met, we often have conflict. We have expectations of other people. Is it possible that we've not communicated to them? And so when they don't behave accordingly or think accordingly, then we get frustrated and we have conflict. So let's take uh, our conflict scale there and add another axis. If we would add a vertical axis to this conflict scale... It gives us really what is, I think, a very helpful diagram. It's got four quadrants. And the vertical axis represents uh, our concern for people. Do we value relationships and people? And uh, do we put at a premium, you know, the feelings and and the well-being of other people, right? So, like, if you tend to avoid conflict, but you do put a premium on people, that would put you in the top left quadrant. I call this the peacekeeper. They care a lot. And maybe this is where you are. You care a lot, but you really don't like addressing the conflict. You really don't like having the conversation. The peacekeeper does not like to rock the boat. You think you're doing the right thing. But if you're honest, you go, yeah, there are some lingering issues. There are times where my relationships have that tension. That sort of unspoken, unaddressed, I don't know why in the world that person is doing that. I've never communicated that expectation, but they should know. And so you experience things in your relationships like distance and the cold shoulder or or things that kind of get swept under the rug when a person comes to you and says, hey, I want to talk about this. You go, you know what? It's fine. It's all right. It's because of peacekeepers, by the way, that we have businesses like this one that I discovered called the breakup shop. The Breakup Shop. This is a real thing. This is a real live business called The Breakup Shop. They will break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other for a fee. 
They'll do it for you. You don't have to do it yourself. I looked up the, 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 the pricing on this, okay? I hope, I hope you're not taking notes during this time. <laughs> for $10, they will send a text. Well, the text is just like, bye-bye. No, I don't know what the text says, but like they just send a text that somehow breaks up with your significant other. For $20, they will send a letter. For $30, they'll make a phone call. How creepy is that? Like, hi, Melissa. No, this isn't Melissa. It's Gary from the breakup shop. Oh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> what is the breakup shop? Like, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. The, 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 it's a dream come true for a peacekeeper. You're like, oh, wow, I don't even have to do that difficult and challenging work. Uh, you, you can even send along. This is part of what the breakup shop does. You can even send along a box of chocolates or a copy of the notebook. <laughs> you know, like, like you kind of, kind of, you know, appease, soften the blow. So again, if you're a peacemaker, I'm sorry, a peacekeeper, like your heart is in the right place. You care about the relationship, but you probably really need a better strategy for addressing conflict. And of course, our best model is Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to operate the way he operated. He didn't avoid conflict. He confronted crowds. He confronted religious leaders. He confronted the money changers when they were extorting people who were trying to worship. They turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. There were times where Jesus even confronted his very closest friends. And it's not that because he wanted to hurt people. It's not because he wanted broken relationships. Here's what he teaches us, again, in, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 23 and following. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. He doesn't call us to be peacekeepers, my friend. He calls us to be peacemakers. But not everyone has that high level of care. So again, if we're, if we're talking about the vertical axis on our quadrants, on our scale, not everyone really has a, puts a premium on people and concern. Like, like some people put it, have a low value of people. They would rate themselves in those lower quadrants. So if you are conflict assertive, but have a low concern for others, well, I would just call you a bully. And maybe you've never thought of yourself that way. You, you probably have a, a stereotype of a bully, and it's certainly not you. But, but if you're the kind of person who you don't have a problem addressing conflict, it, it doesn't just uh, make you squirm and cause you anxiety. You're willing to have the conversation. You're willing to lean into it. But if you struggle to do it in a way that demonstrates care and concern and compassion for others, that would put you in that quadrant. And, and there's really no other way of saying it. You're a bully. And when you have an, an encounter with a bully, you feel attacked. And you feel devalued. And a bully, they give no thought to where the appropriate place is for the conversation. They give no thought to what the appropriate time is to have the conversation. If you've ever had a conversation with someone and you're like, why did they think that was okay to have it then and there? It's because they fall in this quadrant. They're, they're willing to have the conflict, but they have a low care and concern for people. We all know someone like this. And if you don't know someone like this, well, then it's probably you. 
willing to have the conflict, but low concern for people. Lack the awareness of appropriate timing and place and done in a way that demonstrates love. You know, a scalpel and a hatchet are both designed to cut. Those two instruments both really do the same thing, only really there's a huge difference. And one of them, being the scalpel, it's designed to heal. The bully comes with the hatchet. The bully is the kind of person who goes, well, I spoke the truth. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you spoke the truth. But is it possible that you were just so busy being right that you got it all wrong? Because here's what the scriptures tell us. Yes, they say to speak the truth, but they say speak the truth in love. That's Ephesians 4.15. If you're not averse to conflict, but you've got a low level of concern for people, you go, I'm speaking the truth. It doesn't matter where I spoke it, when I spoke it. It doesn't matter that it was just before she was having her final exams. You couldn't wait until the next week, the next day. Doesn't matter that I sent it in a text. You didn't think that was appropriate to have a face-to-face conversation? See, that's, that's a bully. Doesn't matter how it came across to them. Sure it does. Sure it does. Because we're called to speak the truth in love. Colossians 4, 6 further tells us to let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious. So our approach to people should be filled with the aroma of Christ. It should be dripping with the gospel, bathed in prayer. And always demonstrating and communicating love. Even when we have to have hard conversations. Not here to tear you down, but to build you up. We are to sharpen one another. I mean, the scripture is just full of this this wisdom on relationships, my friends. The scripture is just chock full of this wisdom. We know the proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Always improving one another, refining one another, helping one another, making you better. That's what iron being sharpened is. You're you're getting better because of it. Is it pleasant? Is it comfortable? No, but I love you. And you're making me better and I'm making you better. It's like the best coaches you've had in your life. The, the ones who are, who are training you and teaching you stuff, like, like they point out areas of improvement, do they not? Can you imagine a five-year-old shows up and joins the swim team and the coach says, oh, everything you're doing is perfect. I mean, you might only be five years old. This is your first time in the water, but really there's nothing I can teach you. You go, no. No, tell my kid how he can be a better swimmer. You're not going to crush her. You can encourage her. You can help her. You can say, boy, you're you're just a natural in the water. Hey, here's how you get more power. Boy, you're doing really great. I hope you enjoy it. Keep it up. And and, and here's how you stroke. And here's how you kick. and, And you can do it. I believe in you. That's what a good coach does. They don't just say, there's nothing I can teach you. They help us. They point out those areas of weakness and areas of improvement. Listen, that's what healthy conflict does in your life and mine. It's a coach who's willing to say, your stroke is wrong. You're, you're going you're gonna to get a lot faster times in your swim meets if you do it this way. Healthy conflict doesn't leave us where we're at. It, it propels us into what's next and what's better. 
Just like in the kingdom of God. The Lord says to each and every one of us, come as you are, but not stay as you are. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. You've heard this before, right? So this is, this is the process that we go through. Conflict, but it moves us into health. Conflict, but it helps us to grow. And we don't, that doesn't happen unless we have people in our lives who are willing to do what? Speak the truth in love. Again, I realize this isn't a feel-good sermon for us today. And I hope I'm able to do it in a way that communicates my love for you. That, that I just pray and long for your heart to grow strong in the Lord. Your faith to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. Rooted in God's word. Rooted in Christ. Let's keep going with this, um, with this um, scale that we're using today. Lower left. Uh, I call this apathy. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, you got little interest in conflict, but listen... You don't really have much concern for others either. And so you just give up. These, these are the kind of people, if you're, if you're in this quadrant, you're the kind of people who you just walk away. Like you don't even bother to call the breakup shop. <laughs> you don't even ask Gary to do it for you. You're low on energy. You're worn out. There's kind of a weariness and a tiredness. Um, and I've heard from... From people recently this phrase of you can't even <laughs> and, and for some of you you know exactly what that means for others of you you're a little bit like me and you're like can't even what but that's that's it if you're in this lower left quadrant you you're tired and you're weary and the thought of having a conflict the thought of of dealing and addressing issues depletes you and you go i can't even and so you're apathetic and, and I want to I pause here just to say, that's a really hard place to be. Some of you are in that place. Weary, tired, worn out. I don't have the energy to address the issues. I don't have the desire to face this crisis. And what happens is you don't get closure. And you, you, you actually carry with you baggage. No wonder you're tired. No wonder you're weary. Because you got some stuff that needs unloading. You know, the old adage is, I got some stuff I got to get off my chest, right? You've all heard that. You've all said that. I got, I got some stuff I got to get off my chest. There's truth there. That we need to unload those things. That we need to come out from under that burden. So if that's where you are, I just recognize that's a tough place to be. And if I could speak an encouragement to you today, I would say it's worth it to have the conversation. Your family is worth it. Your friends are worth it. Your marriage is worth it to lean in and to say, I'm weary and I'm tired, but I got baggage that I'm carrying. And, and by the grace of God, I need to unload it. And so begin with going to the foot of the cross and asking for strength to go to your brother or sister to make things right. I'll say this also. Then uh, this comes from having learned and knowing something of the cultural norms in our community. <laughs> um, that is that, uh, that we tend to be passive-aggressive. And so for some of you, you've, you've been listening to the sermon this morning, and you've been wondering, where's that on this scale? The ones who are passive-aggressive. 
The ones who make the snarky comments, the ones who, like, there's tension there, but it's all, no, to your fat, it's all good. Like, you've been wondering about that. Well, I would actually put it there on the bottom, certainly on the bottom. In fact, I would say this, that the passive aggression probably waxes and wanes between those bottom two of uh, the, the apathetic and the bully. Like, like, depending on the day, depending on the situation, depending on the circumstance. You know, you ghost someone. Well, that's apathy. You make a snide, snarky comment. Well, that's kind of the, the bully. You're just kind of sliding along that bottom line. You know, sometimes avoiding, sometimes engaging. But really, what you'll notice is it's a low level of care for others. It's the, I'll speak the truth sometimes, but it's not done in love. Listen, no matter what your tendencies are, <laughs> And I'm not asking where you plot yourself on this scale. No matter what your tendencies are, and again, those are largely impacted by your family of origin, the ways you learn to communicate in those early developmental stages of your life. Some of you, it's, I, I just want to keep peace at all costs. Some of you, it's, I just walk away. Just leave, I don't have time for that. Something that's hurtful, painful, I don't need you in my life. I'm gone. Some of you are a bulldozer. Grab the whole bull by the horns. I'm going to tell him off. Some of you, you do operate with that uh, subtle, passive aggressiveness. No matter where you are, we can all move toward being a peacemaker. And if you haven't figured it out by now, that's the top right quadrant of this scale. And this is what the scriptures teach us. And this is what the, uh, the Lord Jesus modeled for us. That we are to be peacemakers. And peacemakers are people who speak the truth in love. We have a high value on people. And we have a willingness to sharpen one another. We are willing to embrace conflict. And we do it in a way that's appropriate, that's God-honoring. One helpful tool, and listen, I'm going to wind down here, but one helpful tool, and I just had the pleasure of doing premarital counseling with a few young couples getting married, so, so this is all very fresh in my mind. And, and I'm wanting them to be successful in, in communicating well with one another. One very helpful tool that I give them that I'll give to you is I statements. The use of I statements. And there's a world of difference between saying, I notice this and I would prefer that versus saying, why do you always? One leads to open communication and health. Another is antagonistic and let's fight. Um, like this, like, I noticed that you left the towel on the floor. No, I prefer that you would hang it up after you use it. <laughs> That's an I statement. That's a I notice, I prefer statement. Very different from, why do you always leave the towels on the floor? It leads to open, honest communication. That's going to be conflict. When, I, when you say that, that's going to be conflict. Oh, I notice you leave. Oh, you notice, do you? Yeah, you might have some conflict with that. But it's approached in love and in a way that's going to bring healing. Uh, another is uh, what I would call the puzzled strategy. It's an I statement where you say, I'm puzzled by. <laughs> Again, it just kind of opens up lines of communication for healthy, God-honoring conflict. Yeah, it might sound like, I I'm puzzled why you didn't return my phone call. And, and it might be followed up by, could you explain it to me? Isn't that very different than if you say, you never return my phone calls. Or, 
how dare you not return my phone call? You see, it's communicating the same thing. It's, hey, there's, there's an issue here that needs to be addressed. It's that I expected you to return my phone call, and you didn't. But it's the sort of puzzled strategy where you say, you know, I'm puzzled by the fact that you didn't return my phone call. Could you explain that to me? So th- those are just some helpful uh, tips um, using I statements. Really, here, here's the, the, the bottom line is the best way to be peacemakers, the absolute best way to be peacemakers is to put the needs of others ahead of your own. And this is really the gospel. That, that, we, that we would lay down our own rights and our own pride and defer to others like Andy read for us from the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others. So let me ask you this morning, are you willing to sharpen others? Are you willing to engage in healthy conflict to bring about harmony and peace? Most of the time, our conflict arises when we feel disrespected, when we feel offended. Like, oh, they overlooked me. And I'm ready to stand up. I want to defend myself. And yes, there are times where conflict, where standing up is the absolute right and necessary thing to do. Again, our Lord Jesus modeled this for us. When the children were banished and pushed away from Jesus... He spoke up. He rebuked his disciples. No, let them come to me. He spoke up when the children were being pushed away. He broke out the whip when those worshipers were being extorted. He was willing to engage in conflict for the sake of others when someone else's rights were being violated. He was a voice for the voiceless. He himself said he was, he, he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. The recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. But in his own life, he did not retaliate or respond when they mocked him, when they beat him, when they spat upon him, when they crucified him. He didn't fight back. 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So thank the Lord that he chose to address the conflict that each and every one of us has with him. That we were enemies of God, but because of Christ, we can draw near. He sent his one and only son. He took the punishment that we deserved. On the third day, he rose to life. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Let's pray together this morning. Almighty God, we are grateful that we who were once enemies, that based on our sin we were distant from you, that we were lost and hopeless, bound for an eternity apart from you, 
that in your mercy you have seen fit to rescue, to draw near to us, to resolve the conflict. So Lord, help us to do the same. For your honor, speaking the truth in love, sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron. Help us, guide us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.